Welcome to the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Now, here's your host, Associate Editor Mark Demko. So, hey, everybody, welcome to the Bow Hunting Podcast presented by Lancaster Archery. For all your bow hunting needs, visit lancasterarchery.com. We've got the gear, we've got the knowledge, and we've got the passion. Early in the year, we did a, a piece in Peterson's bow hunting, and then it ran in our crossbow revolution on the growth of crossbow hunting across the country. And what we found is looking into the data that in states where crossbow hunting became legal for deer hunting, um, quickly or over time, you would find that crossbows accounted for more and more of the archery deer killing. Uh, that basically happened in every region of the country, whether you're talking about the mid-Atlantic, um, the Northeast, or even the Midwest, maybe the South was the one exception because uh, they have very lengthy gun seasons. But crossbows have become really popular for deer hunting, for big game uh, overall, but especially for deer hunting. So super excited to have um, Ryan Buspis of Barnett joining us today. Um, how are you? Thank you for joining us, Ryan. I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Uh, sorry, it's taken a while for us to connect here, but uh, very excited. Yeah, actually, we were trying to do this about a year ago because, you know, you've had a lot going on. Um, Barnett was sold a few years ago and uh, you and David purchased it, brought the company back in the family, shall we say, you know, um, I guess we could start there. That's a great question. Uh, what made you want to acquire Barnett back? I mean, it's there's been a bit of a transition the past few years, but uh, obviously you're one of the leaders in the crossbow industry. Yeah, so, so uh, you know, I, I founded uh, Wild Game Innovations in 2002, and then I joined forces with uh, with Barnett and, and David originally in 2006, 2007, and I've been a part of Barnett all this time. And you know, this industry has changed quite a bit, particularly you know the last few years, COVID, etc. And um, you know, we I was part of a platform. Uh, called Plano Synergy that ultimately got sold. And through, we actually went through a double acquisition. Uh, Pure Fishing bought Plano Synergy, and then they broke the businesses into hunting and fishing, and they sold the, the, uh, the hunting businesses to GSM. And through all that, uh, Barnett was available because of uh, some weapons policies within the ownerships of, of those companies. And I was kind of uh, first in line and had a heads up on it. And, you know, Barnett, for me, has been a very special company and brand. And, you know, David and I, uh, you know, I always say he's like a brother from a English mother because he's from the UK. Uh, and his, uh, you know, he's third generation. His uh, grandfather started. His dad really made it into something exciting. And then David, David was the huge part of getting it over here to the U.S., uh, late nineties. And, you know, Barnett's the, it was the first crossbow company. It's the longest standing crossbow company. And I really don't think, I don't think people know our story. And even though I've been a part of it for a long time, you know, when David and I saw the opportunity, we were like, well, we have some great new technology to launch and we need to also, you know, let everybody know, you know, the legacy of Barnett and, and, and we're not even close to being, you know, we're writing a whole new one right now. Well, with all that technology and innovation and obviously you being involved often with the company for a long time, I think, you know, a uh, great person to have a discussion about 
crossbow hunting and why you think it's grown so much over the years. I mean, uh, when we dove into the data, we found that some of these states, you know, let's say where I live here in Pennsylvania, for example, um, with each passing year, you'd see more and more people hunting with a crossbow. And to the point now where the annual deer harvest in Pennsylvania in archery season, about 68, 69% comes from crossbow hunters. Now, I will say that's astounding to me because we take uh, well over 100,000 deer in archery season. And, and we found that when we looked at other states with a crossbow hunting history like Michigan, Ohio, and even some of the other states, and it just blew us away. But uh, there are a lot of reasons people get into crossbow hunting. Uh, you know, for me, I had a shoulder injury uh, back in, I want to say, 2016, 2017, and I started to hunt uh, with a crossbow. Now, I hunt with both a crossbow and a compound now, but, uh, um, you know, people might uh, want to introduce their children to um, hunting at an earlier age. Crossbow is an incredible implement. Um, maybe some people who were never archery hunters Maybe they were primarily firearms hunters or things like that. They might give it a try. So there's a lot of reasons people are getting in the crossbows. But but the gist of this podcast is, you know, sort of like hunting with a compound bow. When you first walk into an archery shop or a store, you can be overwhelmed by the choices. So let's talk a little bit. Let's look at the the upper level view. If somebody wants to get a crossbow, they've never crossbow hunted before. What, what do you recommend? What are the first things you think they need to consider? Yeah, I mean... Typically, you know, a crossbow hunter for the first time is to your point, and that's why the numbers are what they are. They're typically a gun guy that's looking to extend their season. When we first bought uh, or got together with Barnett, there was only six states, just became six states. There was five, but within that year, another state opened that had a full uh, crossbow inclusion in the archery season. And now there's, uh, you know, um, as of this year with uh, Minnesota, you know, well over the mid 20s now. And, you know, a lot of a lot of it is the extension of the season. So to me, whenever you walk into an archery shop, you know, it's just like a lot of our categories in the hunting business in general, it could be overwhelming. But, you know, typically a guy's going to look for something that's gun like uh, something that shoulders good, balances good. Um, you know, budget is a big, uh, is a big part of it all, you know, you know, a lot of people, you know, they, they work hard and this is a hobby for them. So they want to get the best value for the, for, you know, for their budget. Um, some guys they want, they want the best, they want the best and you could, you could spend money like the best for sure with crossbows. There's crossbows $4,000 now, but I really think, um, it, it really comes down to what feels good whenever you shoulder it and uh, and and the price point that you really want to start with. You know, and that's a great way to sum it up, because that's the first thing I would say is the feel. And I don't mind saying this for years. I actually hunted with my daughter's crossbow when they used to make a lot more youth models. I would use one because it was easy to shoulder and easy to maneuver. And I hunted in a pretty tight spot when I used that. Um, now, crossbows in the early days were pretty heavy and a bit cumbersome. They've come a long way as far as reductions in weight, um, the feel and shouldering it. So it feels good when you're shooting it and the compactness. So but maybe we should dive into that a little bit. I mean, and, and you certainly have some great models this year that have come out. You have the, the Hyper Raptor and um, I think some new XP models. Why don't you talk a little bit about what you have new for 2023? Because you've come out with several new or shall we say revamped and enhanced models. Yeah, yeah. So our bread and butter line are the XPs, uh, the Explorer series. And, uh, 
you know, you could see those bows retail as low as uh, two ninety nine in some cases, and you know, up to you know four ninety nine. But uh, what's really neat about the XPs is they're very uh, tactical looking, you know, adjustable mm-hmm. buttstock. They're uh, they're in the mid, I'd say middle, uh, kind of in the middle of the road as far as narrowness and wideness. They're not they're not too wide. They're not too narrow. They're very what I would say traditional um, crossbow. Uh, you know, and speeds anywhere from three seventy to four ten. So uh, they they have really good values, and that's a big thing in our industry is the speeds. But uh, no different than vertical bows. At some point, you know, you want to the shootability is very important, and the consistency and the comfort is important too. Like it's you know anything over three three hundred feet a second, if you shoot it in the right place and have the right broadhead, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna you can't really over harvest a deer, can't overkill a deer, you know. So. I think speeds get a little bit uh, too much credit uh, at this point. And we were a big part of of setting the pace for speeds. But our XP series do a really, really good job of uh, for almost every different type of situation. And then uh, I thank you for bringing it up. We launched kind of our flagship bow uh, that we wanted to kind of set the tone for the Barnett brand this year. And it's the Hyper Raptor. And uh, we have a lot of IP in that bow. We've got challenge on some of the IP in the bow, uh, which made us be made us uh, it made us better. We actually had to go uh, back to the drawing board, and that's why we were a little bit late getting it to market this year than we had originally anticipated because we were full steam ahead at ATA. And yeah, uh, this industry, some people mess with you, so you gotta you gotta you gotta uh, you gotta retaliate and and, and make and cover your uh, bases. But the Hyper Raptor, to me. Most people that see the Hyper Raptor think it's a well over a thousand dollar crossbow, uh, speeds of you know well over four hundred feet a second. It's so narrow when you cock it; it's uh, you know seven seven inches axle to axle or, or a custom uh, cable and halo system in the front. It's just a it's a really nice looking crossbow, and it's you know uh, the traditional model with the, with the rope cocking device is a five ninety nine retail. And uh, we're on back order. We can't get them here fast enough. And it's it's the most exciting launch I've been a part of since I've been uh, since Barnett, you know, 06, 07. Yeah. And I think one of the things I would say about the Barnett line is you try to fill that sweet spot between affordability and um, high quality. And you'll see a lot of your bows come in in that price range. And so I think that makes it accessible to a lot of um, hunters, uh, archery hunters and things like that. So um yeah. Now, what was your philosophy behind your your line this year with coming out with several new models? I mean, what were you looking to do when you went into this? Say, I'm guessing it was two years ago already you started to think about it. Yeah. So Barnett, you know, as I mentioned, we've been doing this since 1962. We just had, we just celebrated over 60 years uh, last year in 2022. And, you know, we're known we're known for really good or better crossbows. And we have, we have had some better price point or, or best price point crossbows, and we've done good, not great. Um, but we also got to understand who we are as a brand and who we are as a company. And, and you just said it like I I, I don't want to alienate any customers. I want blue collar, white collar, no collar, you, you name it. We want them to be able to use a bow that they could afford and and get a quality product and feel good about it. But with the Hyper Raptor for us. Crossbows have gotten really expensive and it, it's painful 
to see somebody have to spend, you know, or aspire to spend two thousand dollars, fifteen hundred, three thousand plus dollars for a crossbow, and they want to they want to look good in camp. I mean, we all know when you're in deer camp, uh, you know, that's why it's hunting, uh, not killing, or hunting, not shooting, because we spend a lot of time just hunting, and you want to look like you could, shoot, you know, you could shoot the heck out of something. And uh, we wanted to bring a crossbow to market that that everybody would be proud of. It looks like the high end, but we try to hit a price point. And we're really lean with our margin, but we want we want to make a statement with our brand that we could bring you the technology at a price point. And we're just getting started. We have uh, a lot of the IP and a lot of it's not released yet will be put into other models. And we're going to make sure that we, uh, you know, we continue to own the better best. But uh, hey, we can play in. We can play. I mean, the the good better. We can play in the best as well. Awesome. Now, I think you have some other news. I saw recently that uh, um, you got involved with Buck Commander. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, that was that's hot off the press. So uh, uh, appreciate you bringing that up. So yeah, I have uh, we have worked with Buck Commander for Barnett since two thousand and eight, actually, uh-huh. and uh, they've been a great you know, just uh, a partnership and they've evolved over the years. Obviously they've had some changes within their, uh, within their team. And uh, the the current team has been around for quite some time now. And, uh, and, you know, I, we, they had some changes internally within their, uh, their general manager and uh, Willie Robertson and I are good friends. And we were having a conversation about, you know, just, business in general and post COVID and where it's all going. And it kind of hit me and I asked him, I was like, what, uh, what do you, what is your long-term plans, you know, with Buck Commander? Because what's interesting you say that because his life has changed a lot. And a lot of the guys lives have changed a lot. He goes, we're really looking to build this into something unique. We have this brand that's 14, 15 years old, but we really don't have any products to back it up. And I said, well, let's talk. And we've just, We've we met a few times and, you know, we've all hunted together many times over the years. We, we had a big hunt last year, but we had a meeting up at uh, at Luke's uh, farm earlier uh-huh. this year. And um, and and we went through some some ideas and concepts. And what we what we didn't want to do was launch something to be in the sea of the same uh, and bring a me too out there. We want to bring something exciting and different. And we went through a lot of different scenarios, but there's a new technology that we're, uh, that we're in the middle of, uh, patenting, uh, that, uh, we're patent pending now and hopefully it gets through cause it's pretty cool. But, uh, we're looking to potentially launch a whole, a whole new subcategory. It's like a, it's like a whole new category, but it's a sub, I would say it's the subcategory of optics, and uh, we're looking to hopefully launch that at uh, at ATA this year. And uh, uh, it looks as if we're going to try to have the whole team there, which will be the first time they, they they went a few years ago. And it was exciting to have them, you know, present at ATA. But we're going to work with uh, the Archery Trade Association and and try to make it a big deal and try to get some some live music and uh, have them all in our in our booth um, at the show. And uh, and through all this, they asked me to uh, I think they they, they felt uh, I'm bringing I'm trying to bring something for them. So they uh, they asked me to be one of their buck, their buck men. So I'm uh, going to be a new host and uh, and try to help them get some stuff on TV. So I was pretty honored. They asked me to be a part of it. 
Well, that's awesome news. And and for everybody who's listening, the ATA is the Archery Trade Association show. It takes place every year somewhere, usually in the, the Midwest in January. And this year it's going to be in Missouri. And is it the first time it's been in Missouri? I think it may be, or it hasn't been in Missouri that often. So uh, correct. everybody comes together from the archery industry. And it's it's this great showcase of, of new products for the coming year. So it's really that first sneak peek that people get at what they can expect for summer and for hunting season later in the year. But, uh, you know, let, let's go back. When we started talking, we were talking about the uh, overall view of what you look for if you're buying a crossbow. It essentially came down to affordability and feel. And and I agree with you, but there are other factors that go in there. And, and some of these are tied to feel. But, you know, there's been a big push in recent years to make crossbows more compact. And also yep. to bring the weights down, you can have really good crossbows, um, but they can literally with accessories weigh over 10, 11 pounds, even sometimes. And I know you focused on trying to bring the weights down. So to talk a little bit about how you work to do that. And, and I think everybody in the industry has, um, because that really goes into the usability and the feel of a crossbow, unless you're sitting in a blind and you have a, a tripod or a monopod or something that you rested on. You want to make sure that it's easy to shoulder, but also easy to shoot and hold. Um, so I always say people should you to rest, but you guys have really been doing a good job in trying to bring the weights down of the bows, haven't you? Yeah. You know, and where it really started because, uh, David Barnett, uh, my business partner, you know, he has been, you know, he's hunted all over the world. Like he was in Africa before Africa was commercialized into hunting. He, he hunted with the local government there and he was a big bow guy, bow guy, bow guy, bow guy, even though he's part of crossbows. He, uh, he wanted, you know, he was his dad and grandfather were the crossbow guys. He wanted to be the bow guy, but, um, we, we went on a trip to Alaska, uh, several years back now. And we had been, we had been, you know, agreeing to disagree about the evolution of crossbows. Cause at that point, we, to your point, we had some anchors, we had some heavy wide crossbows, but we were trying to get the speeds and that's what, you know, the engineering resulted in. And, uh, I challenged him. I said, why don't you carry that around uh, Alaska for, you know, your 10 days and let's see what you think. And I'm going to tell you, when he got back to camp after that 10 days, he pretty much threw that crossbow in the dumpster and said, we are making them lighter. We're going to make them more narrow. We're going to make them compact. We're going to figure out how to keep the speeds up. And that's what we started. And, uh, and we, you know, it, it, it's, 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 it's evolution. It's, it's, you know, lighter, faster, stronger. And, uh, you know, that's a big push for us, but you gotta, there's a balance there too. And, and, and it, to the, to where we started, most guys that are crossbow hunters are switching from a gun initially, and you don't want a crossbow to get too cute and too little, too compact, either too toy because crossbows in some cases, people, I don't want to say they're intimidated, but there's a lot of energy and a lot of power in a tight little confined space. And, you know, people get uncomfortable. They don't, they're not familiar with the weapon and they're looking at all this thing looks, looks very aggressive, cocked and your face is right there. So, you know, I, I don't want us to overdo it, but I also want us to, to, to hit it right. And that's what I really think the Raptor, uh, the Hyper Raptor that we just launched is about as the best balanced uh, from front to back, the, the, the weight is all kind of in the middle. I just got back from getting my, uh, my tail kicked in Colorado for five days chasing elk, but I'll tell you this, I've done it before and I've, uh, I, I am switching my shoulders, you know, every, every, you know, five minutes. Cause my shoulders are just done. 
I, I might one time a day switch my shoulders with the Raptor. I have pictures where you don't even see the Raptor on my back. And, and, you know, and I do I do have it cocked, you know, safety off without the bolt in there when I'm walking because elk, the bugle, you got to be ready. But uh, it's all part of the strategy. But I just – I don't want us to get too cute, too small, but also the shootability is hugely important. I absolutely, totally agree. And you had a couple nuggets in there, and so we'll try to tackle these. But the first thing I have to ask you is, you said you got your butt kicked in Colorado, but did you or didn't you get an elk? I did not. Um, I went early this year because of my my schedule for September is pretty bad. And uh, it was warm. And uh, it just we didn't have a lot of action. Now, we got into them on a, two or three different hunts. And the best chance we had a, you know, it was a, there was a couple small satellites, uh, yep. satellite bull. But there was a, the herd bull, and he had, I think, 47 cows. And so he, we didn't sound good enough for him. We just couldn't. We got him within about 100 yards, but couldn't break him. I had a totally different experience. I was in northwestern Alberta hunting, actually, the boreal forest. So it was flat and wow. hills, but no real mountains. But we hunted in the timber. The furthest shot I would have had at any point was 35 yards. Most wow. of the shots, if they would have come in, would have been 10, 15, maybe 20 yards. And you have to thread your arrow through. But the uh, same thing, we had bugling in the morning. We had action in the mornings. It was pretty quiet at night. I had one small bull, like a two-and-a-half-year-old, come in. So so I know it was it was a little bit quiet here. And, and, but that's elk hunting. You have magic days, and you have some pretty challenging hunts with covering a lot of ground. Um, you know, the other thing I wanted to ask you about crossbows, you talked about uh, in, in our last uh, segment there, you talked about um, – being a little intimidating with crossbows. Today's crossbows are fast or accurate, high power, high velocity. But uh, the days of having to use a discharge bolt or shooting a bolt into a target to uncock the bolt, those are gone. Now you have we, the industry as a whole has come a long way from the safety perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So I think when people are, are are buying a crossbow, that's something else we really need to stress because if they're not familiar, they want to sort of know, look, how am I going to cock and decock that bow? So talk about that in general terms, but then maybe a little bit about what you've done at Barnett to bring enhancements and safety to the sport. Yeah. So, and, and it's funny you say that. That's uh, uh, back to the IP piece of our business, archery, hunting in general, but particularly archery. There's a lot of intellectual property, a lot of patents involved. And uh, a big initiative for us is uh, is the, the cock decock whenever you're using a cranking device. Uh, you know, a lot of guys, and that's where it's kind of tricky. Uh, and there's two points there. It becomes a, a price point thing, but then it also becomes a, I just want to cock it with a rope thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, to balance that out, you know, we're, we have some creative concepts that we're working on to, to kind of bring you the best of both worlds. But ultimately, yeah. So we, we were one of the first to introduce uh, like decocking bolts uh, to put in your quiver and, or we had some, uh, we, we had some really compact ones that you could just shoot and they were biodegradable and you didn't have to, uh, you know, worry about, you know, wasting, uh, one of your, your, your bolts, uh, in your quiver to do so. Um, we, uh, you know, we're going to take that, uh, to a whole new level over the next couple of years. Um, you know, right now there's a couple of decent options, but they're still pretty expensive out there. And, mm -hmm. And quite honestly, at some point, 
you know, you pay for what you get for. Right. And you got to, it, it's, it's, a, it's a technology and you got to pay for it. But yeah, I think, I think the crossbow industry and that, and that whole, that whole initiative is going to bring more and more people because that's one of the things people don't, uh, don't love about crossbows is it's the cocking and decocking. And as we figure that out, uh, in the industry, I think that's going to just, uh, suit ourselves to do, be more, much more successful. Yeah, and there have been huge advancements, but I, as you mentioned, they're going to be a continued evolution because that is so important. But uh, you you mentioned you sort of you uh, you get what you pay for, so that brings up a, a good question. You know, we've talked about some of the things people should look for as far as if you want to purchase a crossbow. Any red flags in your opinion? Any things that should steer you away from a crossbow if you see it, whether that's a really low price point or something else? Because you probably should. If you're not that familiar, you may not realize, hey, these are things I need to be cautious of. You know, one thing I've learned the hard way in life, that famous saying, if it's too good to be true, it usually is. Um, you know, I think in any in in any category, but if you look at archery, you look at uh, crossbows, you know, there's a lot of sales and promotions out there. But, you know, at some point, you know, you get too low in a price point. You got to question, what am I getting here? And, you know, is it going to do what it's going to say it's it's going to do? Is it safe? Various things. Like, I mean, you know, any given crossbow for us and our compound crossbows have over 120 parts and pieces. So, um, and we wish there was less, believe me. So, uh, but if, if you try to cut any corners at the end of the day, it's a weapon. The thing that I always, uh, challenge, uh, David, uh, he, he is, uh, he's not an engineer by trade, but he's better than uh-huh. most, but we have, uh, we have our full engineering team, uh, out in Utah and Salt Lake. Uh, all of them are farmer, uh, Hoyt engineers and, uh, you combine them all together over 40 years of experience at Hoyt alone. And, uh, they're really passionate about crossbows and a lot of them are big gun guys. And so this was a great, a great mix for them. But I always say, you know, most of us have children, you know, a son or a daughter. And I always, that's my first question. Would you go, would you let your son, would you let your daughter go shoot that crossbow? And uh, that's the way I always approach it. Whenever I look at it, like, is it worth it? If I'm saving that extra 50 bucks, 75 bucks, is it worth it? And then you just got to look at the fine print one thing in, a, in the crossbow industry and in the vertical bow industry, but I'd say more so in the crossbow industry, there's not good uh, regulations or metrics when it comes to uh, how you uh, state your feet per second uh, on, on your crossbow. A lot of it's very exaggerated. And, you know, for a long time, I felt like we were the, Bo- the Boy Scouts. And a lot of people will state their feet, feet a second you know, by an arrow or a bolt that, you know, that you probably couldn't shoot a deer with, but it makes your feet or sec- feet per second go up. So look at the fine print, you know, shoot the crossbows. We try to be realistic, uh, you know, uh, and, and, you know, and what we put out there, we always have, but uh, yeah, I mean, just, just, you know, uh, it's too good to be true. Probably is. Uh, yeah. And thank you for that. And you, and you brought up um, children. Uh, during the course of that um, statement there. And so it made me think when, when I, uh, my daughter was young, nine or 10 um, got her started with a crossbow. And, you know, obviously when you want to get kids introduced to the sport at an earlier age, there's a lot of things you need to factor in again, for them, safety, comfort, 
feel are huge. But what are some of the other factors you need to look at if you want to get a crossbow um, for a child? Because I mean, there's there, there's so much that goes into that equation. On one hand, it's great to get them into the sport earlier, but there's a lot of other things you have to think about. So what are a couple of those other things that are important to you when it comes to children and crossbows? Yeah, so that's a great, great question. And, uh, you know, that's another reason why crossbows are such a unique weapon in general. It doesn't matter if it's for kids or if it's for a, a new user or when you get mm-hmm. older in life or you have an injury. But, you know, whenever you're a kid and you're playing Little League Baseball for the first time and you get hit by a pitch, what do you do? You're, you're The next time you're up, you're flinching, you're kind of worried a little bit. Yep. You know, if you, ta- if you take a kid shooting a gun for their first time, and they shoot even a low, a low, you know, low power rifle, and it's 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 it, it has a sound and it has a little bit of a kick. You know, it kind of immediately teaches them some bad habits right out the gates. Where a crossbow, to me, is about as good of a weapon to learn how to shoot something as it can get because because a shoulder's like a gun. You use a scope. There's no recoil, but it looks substantial. It looks like a real weapon. You're not looking like you're shooting a BB gun. You know, you're you're actually shooting something that has a thump when it hits the target and it gets them excited. And so you don't pick up any bad habits and you learn how to shoot. But uh, we launched a bow, uh, a crossbow this year called the, uh, the it's, it's an XP recruit. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we launched that is because we get the question all the time, which should be one for my kid, which should be a, a first time user crossbow. And, you know, a lot of people judge that based upon price points, and I don't think that's the way to do it. We we no, put together a package. Thank you. Yeah, we put together a package that is, uh, it's a good price point, but it's not the most inexpensive bow on the, on the shelf, but it, it's, uh, it shoots uh, three, 330 feet a second easily, um, which is plenty to kill anything uh, yeah. if you place it right and have the right broadhead. We put a, uh, a red dot scope on it because a lot of people... If you've never shot with a scope before, uh, or if you're a kid, the eye relief becomes a problem, and they're putting their eye right up on the magnified scope. So we, we red dot is easy. Kids are used to their phones and video games, and they like techie things, something you could turn on and off. So we put a red dot on there. Um, you know, my son, who is now taller than me, and he's trying to be stronger than me, but uh, I'll bluff him until uh, the day he dies. But uh, he, uh, he, a couple of years ago, he's going to be 17 this year, but a couple of years ago, he didn't want me to cock the crossbow for him. Right. And we didn't have a lot of crossbows that were easy to cock with a rope. And he was, mm-hmm. I don't want to say embarrassed, but, you know, but you're, if you have a, a 13, 14 year old, 12 year old, 15 year old, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, if you've never cocked a crossbow before, you don't want to look like you can't and you don't want to have somebody do it for you. So this co- this crossbow is super easy to cock with the rope, like really easy. Uh, I think confidence is key for uh, people when they're first time with the crossbow. So if you give them a good experience, they shoot it, it hits the target, they adjust it, they sight it in like a gun, they cock it easy. Uh, that's what That's what you look for for a kid, in my opinion. Uh, absolutely agree. And the other thing I wanted to ask you, and we're talking about for kids, I'm assuming it's a, a fairly lightweight crossbow as opposed to maybe some of the more adult models. Yeah, I think it's, I have one in here. It's, uh, I want to say six, six and a half pounds all day long. And uh, that's, you know, with the scope and quiver and everything, it's very lightweight and uh, it's good looking. It's like a storm gray uh, you know, cool looking crossbow. Uh, the one thing I'm really excited about, not that there's anything wrong with the, uh, 
the red dot that's on it, but we've uh, we've uh, engineered a new red dot that we're going to be launching for uh, for next year. That's going to come standard on any of our crossbows that have red dot, and it's just uh, okay. It's a great experience. Yeah, really excited about it. Well, well, thank you for that. And uh, you know, the other thing I wanted to touch on, and and I actually haven't thought about this much, but you know, you can buy crossbows today, and they come, let's say, fully equipped, ready to shoot, at least on the range. You get your bolts, your field tips, your scope a quiver, but what are some things people need to think about if say they want to accessorize or upgrade at some point, say maybe they want to put a more high-tech scope or something on their crossbow. And, you know, you have any tips for people there? Is that something you need to think of when you're initially buying the crossbow? Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the thing about a crossbow that is frustrating for the crossbow manufacturer because the vertical bow guys, they get to sell a, you know, a, a naked vertical bow, put it on the shelf. And then you have a wall of sights, much less other accessories where crossbows, in my opinion, are pretty limited when it comes to uh -huh. uh, accessorizing. Uh, we have some some great things coming to help that initiative. But yeah, so you definitely need a sling. Uh, you know, that's that doesn't come with most crossbows. You need to get a case. It, you know, it could be, you don't have, unless you're traveling a lot, you know, there's a lot of options for cases. That's another thing we're working on. Um, but, uh, you know, that you, you want to have, you want to keep all your stuff together, keep it organized. Um, there, there's a, you, you got to have extra rope cockers if you don't have a, a crank on your crossbow, because it's like anything else. If you don't, if you get to the, if you get to your ground line, you get up to your tree, you know, you're kind of up a creek without a, a paddle. If you don't have a uh, 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 you know, extra, you, if you don't have it in your pocket or you don't have an extra one in your bag. So, you know, I'm like, a, I'm like one of those guys, I got probably four on me at any given hunt because uh, I've been in there. I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt and got to the, you know, hike my way in and had to hike my way out to go get my, my RTD. But uh, yeah, scopes. Yep. Go on. I'm sorry. Compound wise. I'm one of those unlucky ones. I've broken two shooting release. So it's the same thing. I have oh, to no. keep a spare shooting release. How many people ever break a shooting release? I've broken two. Well, or you leave them behind. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Your quiver, you leave your quiver. Like, it's really important, your little checklist to make yeah. sure that, because uh, we're always in a rush usually. We don't have extra time. We're trying to hurry up and make the time count. And then you realize you forgot something important. Yeah, and then you mentioned scopes. Uh, we uh, we bring in our scopes uh, from the same place that a lot of people manufacture their scopes from inexpensive to very, very high end. So we have a good quality scope. It's not I wouldn't say it's the greatest. And and that that's always a challenge, too. And that's one of the things David and I looked at whenever we bought uh, Barnett back. Uh, he and I and made it a family company again was, you know, if people have a problem with the scope, they're not saying the scope is bad. They're saying this Barnett is bad. So uh, we have, you know, we're, we're wanting to upgrade our scopes uh, and evolve uh, that whole initiative as well. But there's several brands out there that make some really nice crossbow scopes. There's some uh, range finding scopes, which are really nice, pretty expensive, yes. but they're pretty awesome too. So yeah, there's a, uh, and, and there's, there's dampeners and things of that nature, but there, there's a, there's a whole new world of accessories we need to uh, lead the charge on and bring out over the next couple of years too. Yeah, and I just want to add two quick things. And I was remiss I didn't think about it at the time, but we were talking about the safety element. Most crossbows nowadays have the safety wings. In the early days, you just you you held the the 
cross pulling your hand, you had to watch that you didn't slide your fingers up into the string flight path. Nowadays, everybody has safety wings on there to keep that accident from happening. And that's important. And, and the other thing I say about accessories, and I'm just a huge proponent of this, to, I've done a lot of crossbow hunting, and you want to have a good, stable shooting rest, uh, whether you're hunting from a stand or a blind. Now, a lot of your stands nowadays have a shooting rail, but if you're hunting from a blind, you want to try and have some kind of tripod or monopod or even a bipod because you want to make sure that you're making that good clean shot and it gets heavy when you're holding a crossbow even like your lighter one like your six pounds if you're holding it for three four minutes it can get heavy as you're waiting for the shot so that's an important thing now we've talked about a ton there are any other things you could think of that you want to mention about if you're looking for a crossbow it's important to consider yeah i mean and, and everything you just said is hugely important and and i am I am all about maximizing opportunities whenever I'm yep. in the field. Um, and, you know, look, people have things to say about everything, but like even a tripod or, or a good shooting stick, especially in a ground blind, it's the movement too. Because if, if you're within 30 yards of a deer and typically they have some dang does out there and you got extra eyes on you, trying to pick yep. up your bow or your crossbow, a lot of times people get busted. And so I very much encourage once it once it's prime time uh, and it's time to put down your phones and you you, you better be ready. Like I, I go ahead and get propped up and ready. Uh, I've used I've used tripods just because of it, more for the movement and for the for for getting tired. But yeah, and and one other thing you mentioned about the uh, the, the safety of crossbows and the finger reminders. You know, we that's the first thing I tell anybody. Like you know, uh, if you if you were to hold up a pistol. And you put your finger over over the the barrel of the pistol and pull the trigger. Guess what? You're gonna shoot the tip of your finger off. And the the barrel of the of anybody's crossbow is the uh, flight track where the the bolt goes. If you put your fingers up there, you put your thumb up there. It's not gonna feel good if you pull the trigger. And that's why we're. I think the industry as a whole is, are trying to make sure people are very conscientious of that. And then the other thing, crossbows are very gun like. And, um, you know, safety is so important. You want to check the safety constantly, 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 constantly. We have a, we use trigger tech triggers in all our crossbows. We have a gen one, two, and we're on three now. Um, but we have a, uh, we have a knock, a knock system, which is part of the safety and it uh -huh. prevents dry fires, which, which is huge. And, and if you went and tried to buy a trigger tech trigger off of their website, the most inexpensive one you would be putting in a crossbow is probably 150 bucks. So it's a great mm -hmm. free upgrade in all Barnett crossbows. But yeah, I, uh, yeah, I think safety is always first. Um, that that's, that's huge. Like you gotta, you just gotta think of it like a gun, um, because it's very similar. And then the only other thing, uh, to, to bring up, you know, back to just crossbows in the industry. And we started off talking about how many people are using crossbows. I think it's very important for everybody to think about this, most crossbow guys come from guns. And then once they get into a crossbow, a lot of times that leads them into vertical bows. They get comfortable. It's intimidating yeah, yeah. to get, be in a, in, a, in, a, in a shooting tower your whole life. And then you're in a ground blind or a tree stand and there's a lot going on. And then but it's all comfort and learning. And guess what? I know more people that have had Barnett's that switch to a vertical bow than, than, you know, upgrading crossbows. A lot of them want the challenge. And the other thing is it extends the season for so many other categories, 
from from you know apparel, lightweight clothes to 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 different you know grunt calls, early season urines. There's so many there's so many advantages to extend seasons and a crossbow. I think sometimes we don't get the crossbow industry doesn't get the credit for helping to bring a plethora of gun guys to hunting early season, getting them into retailers earlier in the season. And all that does is help our whole industry out. So I'm, a, I'm I, I want to keep pushing that narrative. Totally agree. They really have transformed the archery sport. And, you know, as we talked at the beginning of the conversation, more and more people are hunting with crossbows. And, you know, if you're going to buy one, it may seem cut and dry when you start, but once you start delving into it, you can see how many different things you need to consider. And of course, you're not going to have this everywhere, but if you get a chance and you can shoot a crossbow before you purchase, that that's just a win-win all across the board. But there's mm-hmm. a lot you really need to think about when you're going to to purchase a, a crossbow. Um, but they're great tools. They're they're really having an impact on on deer season and keeping deer numbers in check. They're getting people into the sport at a younger age. They're they're able to keep guys who are maybe aging out of the sport involved longer. There's just a lot of pluses. Now I have one last question for you. Do you have any hunts lined up for the rest of the, the fall here? Where are you heading and what are you most looking forward to? Yeah. So I was still hoping for a, for an invite back to Colorado, but that, 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 that has passed the season's ending. Uh, Cause I really, really, even if you don't get elk, it's still the best uh, way to start off the fall every year. But I am, uh, yeah, I am going to be predominantly whitetail hunting. We have uh, we have land in Louisiana. I'm based in Louisiana, and I have two pretty good options uh, that uh, I host. I host and guide a lot of a lot of industry people, um, and I have a lot of those coming up. I am uh, I'm looking to go make a hunt in Kentucky uh, potentially. I got to still. Uh, uh, you know, square that up a little bit. And then, uh, you know, this buck commander thing, I just got an invite to the E3 up in Kansas. So uh, that's, that's been one of those I've been wanting to go and experience for a long time. So that'll, that'll be uh, very exciting for me, but uh, mostly whitetail. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to go after some hogs and things of that nature yeah. and some predators, but uh, yeah, I'm ready, man. I'm ready. It's uh, it's been warm. I got a taste of it in Colorado for some fall weather, but I'm ready for that cool front. Same thing up here in Pennsylvania. We're, you know, we're just starting to see some cooler temperatures. And I mean, we're still getting in the 60s and 70s every day, but uh, our tree season is just getting underway here. It's exciting time of the year. And uh, I want to take time to thank you for joining us here on the podcast. I know you're really busy at this time of the year, uh, one of your big pushes of the year. And so thank you and good luck with all your hunting this fall, Ryan. And for everybody who's listening to the podcast, if you hunt with a crossbow, you already know, but hopefully we've given you some good food for thought. If you're thinking about getting a crossbow, hopefully there's some great tips here that are going to help you when you made that selection, whether it's for you or your uh, kids. And we'll see everybody next time on the Bow Hunting Podcast. Get out and enjoy your fall. Thanks for downloading the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bow Hunting Magazine on your local newsstand or connect with us online at bowhuntingmag.com.